How do we build the bank of the future? In this B-side episode, Business World reporter Keisha Bita Asan speaks with Raghav Gupta, Managing Director of Coursera India and Asia Pacific, about the increased demand for digitalization in the banking sector. Mr. Gupta compares deep skilling with what he calls learning in the flow of work and explains how Coursera, an online education platform used by millions, enables both. A little more about Coursera. It was founded almost a decade ago by a pair of computer science professors at Stanford University with a vision of providing high-quality education to learners around the world. Mr. Gupta explains how that vision feeds into equipping the workforce with the necessary skills to transform the banking sector with the Bank of the Philippine Islands as a local example. This is Keisha Taasan, a reporter from Business World. For today, we are going to talk about how the banking, financial services, and insurance for the BFSI sector has seen major growth in recent years. Coupled with this growth is the increased demand for digitalization within the industry to better serve digitally enabled customers. For today, I am here with Mr. Raghav Gupta, Managing Director for Coursera India, and we are going to delve into insights of the modernization and current trends within the banking and finance industry. You know, I think it's important to call out that a lot of things obviously accelerated through the course of the pandemic. And, you know, as we come out of the pandemic, we're all starting to understand what the future might look like. But if I step back for a moment, we've seen there were certain industries and certain jobs that were lost and many of them were lost permanently as a result of the pandemic. We've also seen many industries say that the kind of skills that working professionals will need in the future have changed permanently. We've seen a general focus on skills around digitalization, skills around data, and skills around working remotely. And because of that, I think across the Coursera platform, we've been very focused on how do we, again, enable learners and enterprises to get ready for the future. And there's been a lot more additional work that we've been doing to say, look, how do we bring to a bank the content that is relevant for the bank to be getting ready for digitization, which is what consumers of the bank want for the future. So embracing tech, what are the factors that contribute to the major demand for digitalization in the banking and finance industry? You know, this is something that was happening pre-pandemic as well. Automation, digitalization was happening pre-pandemic. The pandemic, of course, accelerated this. And so for a leading bank in the U.S. to say, look, we are no longer a financial services company, but we are a technology company that works in the financial services industry, was a fundamental shift in how leaders in Goldman Sachs were thinking about the banking industry. And then more recently, we heard this in the region as well. And Piyush Gupta, who is the CEO of DBS Bank, said we are less like a bank and more like a technology company. And this was as recent as 2022. And I think what we've seen is that a lot of the consumers, the customers for banks and insurance companies are increasingly digital natives, right? Younger people are very comfortable using digital platforms. And so this whole saying that every company is a technology company is starting to ring even more. And that's driving the digitalization of products and services. And we're seeing this around the world as a priority for banks in the Philippines as well. And I was looking at this banking sector outlook survey in 2021, where in the Philippines, uh, the research pointed out 
that almost every bank needs to focus on digitalization. You know, we've seen that many banking companies have adopted a digital first strategy because the customer is digitally savvy. In the Philippines, uh, BSP uh, has done research, right? And they've talked about how 53% of adult Filipinos have an e-money account now. And what's interesting is pre-pandemic, this was 29%. So, you know, there's been this growth in terms of adoption of e-money accounts in the country. And then, you know, other organizations, and there's the study from uh, Google as well, that we are seeing around the world that banking customers, almost 80%, 90% people are saying that they would want to use digital banking services. And so that's driving a lot of the need for digitalization. And then the other thing, which I think is surprising almost, is that consumers are saying that they are actually willing to share their personal data for a more personalized experience of banking services. And this is not just my opinion, but this is what you know data and, and research telling us if in return we can get a more personalized banking experience and of course if our data is kept securely so digitalization you know more competition from outside banking and financial services a changing consumer and that's some of the key trends that we're seeing in terms of banking thinking increasingly like a technology company you've mentioned that people are more willing to share their personal information how can we protect our customers or how can we ensure that there are no data breaches? I think a lot of this is to do with leadership in banking and financial services companies increasingly focusing on uh, data privacy, increasingly focusing on cybersecurity. I know of a leading bank in India where topics like cybersecurity and blockchain are board level conversations and the board of that bank is spending time understanding these technologies themselves and then deploying these technologies. So I think it needs to start at the top. I think very quickly after that, building specialization within the bank where cybersecurity and related technologies are expertise areas within the bank is extremely important. And, you know, in the past, many of these topics would be outsourced to a technology services company, but we're seeing banks bringing these critical elements in-house and building teams uh, within. And then the third layer is that for a lot of the other people, you need to build a literacy level understanding, right? Uh, somebody who's a branch manager might not need deep skills in cybersecurity, obviously, but to have a literacy level scale of understanding cybersecurity, understanding data, privacy, ethics around data is the third layer as well. So those are possibly some of the ways for uh, banks to think about. So in line with Coursera's push for awareness for digital skills, how can Coursera help the workforce adapt to the increasing digital demand? Or how should the BSFI sector invest in talent? Look, all of us as working professionals, right, have to balance the prioritization of a lot of our time goes into actually working. And then how at the same time does one find the mental space and the time to spend in active learning as well is the first criteria. And we've seen that uh, increasingly the currency of conversation in many companies is becoming skills. How does one build the skills which are required in the bank of the future? And the broad themes here, like I laid out, were uh, digital, were data, were leadership, and were remote work. So how does one think about these broad skills? Our experience with many companies uh, tells us that not everybody needs to undergo deep skilling, right? If you're a business analyst, the bank needs you to now become a data analyst. You need deep skilling and it might take 40, 50, 100 hours of focused learning over a period of 6 to 12 months to go from becoming a business analyst to a data analyst or to become somebody who specialized in cybersecurity. But 
but there are many people who are very happy with undergoing one would call learning in the flow of work right if i'm a data analyst at a bank and i'm building a business model on an excel sheet and i've forgotten how to do pivot tables can i quickly go and watch a 10 minute to 20 minute video which reminds me how to do a pivot table and then come back to my business model so we are increasingly seeing that in terms of getting skills in a bank ready for the future uh, banks are saying maybe 20 30 percent of our workforce needs deep skilling and we're working with them in helping them plan for that and then we are saying maybe 70 80 percent of your workforce needs what i would call learning in the flow of work bite-sized learning and we're enabling that as well one of the things that we've done is we've launched something called academies so we've said look for folks in technology-related roles, there's a tech academy. For folks who need to understand data, there's a data and analytics academy. But also increasingly, there's a leadership academy as well. And you know, traditionally in the past, companies have focused leadership training on the leaders of the business. But at least at Coursera, our belief is, and this is reinforced by the pandemic, that not only leaders of the business need leadership skills, but all of us need leadership skills. And so we built out this leadership academy and we've said, look, there are elements of learning which are focused on lead yourself as an individual. You might be an entry-level employee, you might be an individual contributor, and you're going to focus on building skills around leading yourself. And these might be skills like emotional intelligence, these might be skills like storytelling, and then there are skills around leading a team. So, you know, you become a manager for the first time, how do you become a manager that can lead a team of five, ten people effectively? There are then skills about leading businesses, and then finally skills around leading transformation. And so bringing that content, which is high quality but simple to understand content in a manner where you know it is curated for the objective that you want to learn whether it is technology whether it is data whether it is digital whether it is leadership i think that is working quite well so what are the challenges that you see as employees learn and as employees gather skills necessary to adapt to this digitalization trend we've seen that the learning and development function that most banks and financial services companies have has changed in terms of the approach that they take. There used to be a world four or five years ago where the chief learning officer of a bank or the CHRO of a bank would say, let me provide a lot of content to my employees and they can figure out what they want to learn. And we would call this open learning, right? Provide 10,000 pieces of content and let people figure things out. Over the last couple of years, it moved to something that one would call guided learning. So in the data science department, you are given a curation of content which is focused on your domain and you're given a little bit of guidance to say, look, here are possibly the areas where you should be thinking about building skills. I think today, the most successful programs that we see are what I would call skills-first learning. And in skills-first learning, the currency of conversation starts becoming skills. And as opposed to worrying about how many hours of learning happened or how much course completion happened and how many certifications happened, uh, increasingly, HR and L&D leaders, people leaders are focused on how many skills were built. Did I skill people to be a data analyst? Did I build uh, skills for people? to be a software development person? Did I build people to become cloud computing professionals and so on? And those are the programs that we're seeing are very, very successful, right? These are programs that are focused on delivering skills that deliver business impact, right? Uh, in one piece of work that we do with our bank, their data analytics team came up with this piece of research where they said, look, we acquire customers through two channels, right? As a customer, you might walk into a branch, a physical branch of the bank, and then you might sign up and become a 
retail customers of the bank or you might come to our website or our app and you might sign up digitally and become a customer of the bank and the LTV the lifetime value of these two customers is very different and for various reasons the lifetime value of a customer who becomes a customer digitally is four times that of a physically acquired customer and so this bank said look let's focus on acquiring customers digitally as opposed to physically via our different departments and then the uh, HR the L&D team of the bank spent a lot of time building capabilities in their team to be able to acquire new customers digitally so that is the you know focus on business outcomes that a lot of banks are driving and I think a lot of what I've spoken about uh, we've seen that with BPI leveraging the Coursera platform especially in the areas of uh, technology and they've also leveraged actually just fundamental banking skills as well you know in banking you need skills like accounting credit you know retail and corporate banking financial markets and so on and so that's what they've done using the Coursera platform and then they've also spent time uh, building skills around emerging technology and data science uh, for enabling their own digital transformation as well and over the course of time that we work together uh, almost 10,000 courses have been consumed by the BPI employees they've spent upwards of 60,000 hours learning on the Coursera platform and uh, they run this specific program which is called the OTP program for the bank's officers the officership training program which has been delivered in a virtual mode as a part of this partnership as well so we've seen some really strong success I'm now curious what is your take on financial inclusion do you think that as employees learn as banks use more of the Coursera platform in learning more skills or acquiring more skills do you think banks will be able to reach its goal of having the unbanked banked I'll say this as somebody who is not a banking expert uh, Keisha right and I would imagine that the ability to reach a lot more people you know especially in tier 2 tier 3 rural uh, locations as well is possible through digital channels through mobile phone banking of course the cost of reaching uh, people in these remote locations is also a lot lesser in terms of digital capabilities so I would definitely imagine that the objective of increasing financial inclusion right and we've seen that with wallets and other online payment mechanisms increasingly happening much beyond credit cards and bank accounts and physical branches ever did one of the learnings that we've had at Coursera as a part of bringing education to everybody is to constantly focus on the digital divide and try and uh, reduce that right so there are thousands of pieces of content on the Coursera platform but upwards of 95 percent of that content one can take on a mobile device without needing a laptop a tablet or whatever and so we've done that work to say look everybody should be able to access the content on a mobile device and increasingly you know especially in developing markets and in Asia we see a lot of usage in Philippines happening on a mobile device as one would imagine the other thing that we've done at Coursera right we've said that look you might have high quality internet sometimes and you might not have high quality internet at other times so you could actually download a high resolution video or a low resolution video based on the kind of internet quality that you have and you can also download content into the app when you're connected to internet and then view it uh, in an offline manner as well so that you can then access the content. And uh, the reason I'm sharing this example is because digital divide applies to every industry. In our case, it is education. In the case of banking, of course, it is financial inclusion. And in general, the digital channel allows us to reach a lot more people at a much lower cost. So yes, I would imagine that financial inclusion can be met as a result of this digitalization. So far for you, Raghav, as employees build their skills, do you think it really reflects 
projects right now this year. For example, in BPI's case, as employees consume 10,000 courses, um, have you observed any changes to now from a year earlier, let's say, or even before the pandemic? Absolutely. We've seen a lot of the skill development that's happening in banking and financial services. Some of this is customer-facing, a better quality app, a better quality digital experience, a more personalized banking experience is what the customer will see. But internally within the bank, a lot more data-driven capability in terms of business insights, a lot more secure banking, which is you know led by the kind of cybersecurity that one might need, but also the ability to be competitive with fintech companies who are knocking on the doors of banks for uh, business and how does one compete with blockchain capability and so on are the internal parts of it as well. So yes, the skill development is happening, has been happening over the last many years, but it is immediately translating into what is being done in the business itself as well, Kisha. Let's go back to talking about um, the learners. You've mentioned that employees who are younger tend to be more eager as they are more digitally tech savvy. How about your older generation? Have you observed any um, hesitation on learning new skills? Let me share a little bit of statistics from what we are seeing in the Philippines and then let's talk a little bit about what these statistics are telling us. As I mentioned, there are close to 1.7 million learners in the Philippines who come to Coursera to learn. The average age of learners on Coursera globally is 32 years. In the Philippines, it is 30 years, right? So to your question around, is it relatively younger people or older people? Now, I think the reason uh, we see average age is 30 is twofold. One, of course, younger people are more comfortable with digital platforms, with digital technology. But secondly, they also need to learn skills more because they are in earlier stages of their careers. And when you are developing your career, the world around you is changing and you know that acquiring those skills are going to help you succeed in your career. And the reverse is also true. So not acquiring those skills will mean that you get left behind in your career. While, you know, somebody who is much older and is well settled in their career might not have equally the same amount of motivation or inspiration to put that time and effort in learning as well. So we do see that in terms of the average age of learners on the platform. And then if I look at uh, some of the top courses in the Philippines, right, that also tells us quite a bit as well. And of course, as one would imagine, a lot of the top 10 courses on Coursera were about personal well-being given the COVID pandemic. So the number one course in the Philippines that is called COVID-19 contract tracing from Johns Hopkins University, right? Because people were, of course, are thinking about the pandemic. But interestingly, the second most popular course is called the Science of Well-Being from Yale University. And so how do we think about not just health from a physical health and COVID standpoint, but how do we think about mental health and well-being and happiness as well is what this course teaches. And then the third most popular course, and actually the seventh most popular course are both about language learning, right? So the third course is called First Step Korean from Yonsei University. And the seventh course is called English for Career Development from University of Pennsylvania. And the Learning Korean course is, I think, a combination of wanting to work in Korea, but also just reflection of the popular K-pop culture around the world as well, and definitely in the Philippines as well. But English for Career Development is, again, you know, it's the language of business, you know, so young people want to learn and get that. We see courses number four, five, six, and eight are all around data and technology. If I look at all of this, right and uh, that's a little bit of what is a lot what we've spoken about as well so the data is kind of 
collaborating and uh, you know supporting some of these trends that we've spoken about so far. I think these trends really translate to what's happening right now. So with that said, with these kind of trends, do you think that this will continue for the next few years? You might have noticed I said on the Coursera platform, 175 top universities create content and teach, right? And one would imagine that makes a lot of sense because universities where we all go to learn. But increasingly, there are 75 companies that teach on the Coursera platform. And what we've seen is the role of industry as educator becoming increasingly important because technology is around us, right? Many of us as working professionals need to learn technology, not just the theory of technology, but the actual ability to use a product, to use a digital product. And so to learn something from Google, IBM, Facebook, etc., is becoming increasingly important. And in the Philippines, in the first half of this year, we have something called professional certificates, which companies produce. And these have been extremely popular in the Philippines because many working professionals, they say, look, if I come and learn data analytics from Google, or if I come and learn social media marketing from Meta, Facebook, it is a very powerful credential. It's high quality learning, but it is also a powerful credential. And so the most popular certificate in the Philippines that we've seen is Google Data Analytics. The second most popular certificate is Project Management, but from Google. The third one is Social Media Marketing from Meta Facebook. And then there are a UX design from Google and IT support from Google as well. And so I think this trend that industry is becoming an important educator has really become strong over the last two, three years. And I would imagine will continue uh, for the future. Uh, let me talk a little bit about uh, what might happen in the next three years. It is always hard to predict the future because chances are you will get it wrong. But let me make an attempt in any case. I think what I spoke about, which is skills first learning as an area where you know we are seeing a lot of focus amongst uh, companies is what we think will continue. Uh, we think the need for more working professionals to learn uh, will become stronger because companies and industries changing at a very, very rapid pace. And uh, the fact that one needs to personalize the learning experience for an individual will increasingly become more important. The way you might learn might be different from the way I learn. And the way, you know, if both of us are learning a topic like data analytics, our proficiency levels at starting points might be different. And so that personalization will continue to be important. But I think what is possibly likely to continue to stay is companies and governments and businesses investing in the learning of their employees, I think will continue to stay. It is an important element as a part of attracting high quality employees, but it is also an increasingly important part of being able to have these employees ready for how the future of work will look like and to be then able to invest in people to drive a lot of this digitalization, especially in financial services and banking that we've spoken about today. Those are possibly some of the things that we will see. In general, how can things improve from here on? What more can be added just to enhance the quality of learning of our employees? I think personalization is definitely one particular topic. I think the other thing that we might see is closer linkages between campuses and uh, businesses. And I, we haven't spoken a lot about this, but one of the things that we've seen as a part of our work with campuses is given that industry has changed so quickly during the pandemic, many campuses are struggling to keep up with what the industry needs and you know get students ready for careers in this new digital world that we find ourselves in. So we are helping companies and campuses build linkages where industry as an educator can play a role on campuses as well and complement what universities are teaching 
talking to their students so that by the time students get ready to come out of colleges and universities, you know, they are possibly ready to um, integrate into companies as well. And, you know, we spoke about BPI and as a part of the Ayala group, uh, there's also a lot of educational institutions in the Philippines, as you know, and Mapua University, National Teachers College uh, are part of uh, some of the programs that we are running, but they are getting their students and their faculty members ready for this industry of the future as well. And I think that's going to be an important trend uh, also going forward. What more can you say about the banking industry here in the Philippines and in the region as well? I would possibly say two things. I do want to emphasize that getting a large number of people across any bank, you know, 10, 15, 20,000 employees to build these skills while they are busy working professionals. It is a big change management exercise, right? And um, any change management exercise needs uh, senior level involvement. And we've seen that the most successful programs where banks are building skills of the future have involvement and leadership from the CEO, from the COO, from the CHRO, the chief learning officer, and so on. So I think it's important for a lot of banking leaders in the Philippines to invest their own personal time, almost lead by example in talking about the skills that they are building to also then inspire their uh, team members, their employees in investing in skills. And I think the other thing that we've seen is that banks are successfully uh, investing in training of their employees by using a combination of their own content and content that a platform like Coursera can bring. So many times we've seen uh, learning on products that the bank is creating or learning on regulatory topics that the regulator of the banking industry might require is where banks have good quality content themselves. But learning on topics like digital and data and leadership and human skills and so on is where a company like Coursera can play a big role. And that concludes another episode of B-Side. Once again, you heard Raghav Gupta, Managing Director of Coursera India and Asia-Pacific, speaking with Business World reporter Keisha Bita Asan about building the bank of the future. Skills are the currency in today's world, said Mr. Gupta, and continuing education should be top of mind for organizations that want to stay competitive. This episode was recorded remotely in September 2022. It was produced by Joseph Emmanuel El Garcia and me, Samuel Marcelo. Thanks for listening.